Okay, so Mike was found guilty for conspiracy to murder and he was sentenced to 10 years in jail. Susan, man, Susan is a boss. I'm, I'm sorry. Susan is, she is the head boss because she still didn't sit down and rest. After they told, after they came down with the guilty in 10 years for Mike, she went straight across the hall. She um, filed for her divorce and she got it along with, she sued Mike for $1 million and she said she she did that because she said and I quote if he ever got out I didn't want him to have enough money to to finish the job man she a boss who would you have thought about something like that because I never would have thought of anything like that so he was set to um to be released from prison in September 2014 so before that Susan made sure she moved and in her new house she put gravel down all around around the whole house because she said that he would never get close enough to hurt her again you know because she would hear him coming and she also started taking up firearms training and going to the shooting range and um she would she said that it really messed her up mentally because she would take a different route home every day from work she couldn't sit in a restaurant a large restaurant she was always paranoid she was always thinking somebody might want to come and get her um she had to always see the door have her back to the wall just that whole that whole thing that paranoia you know rightfully so but yeah that whole paranoia thing you know so Susan was 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 damaged you know after this he damaged her just like she said um but again she's not broken so um July 13th 2014 which happened to be a Friday Mike died of natural causes 92 days 92 days before he was set to be released Uh, I don't know about nobody else but you know that girl called Karma 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 is a big bitch so Susan said, I don't mourn his passing. I mourn the life he could have had if he only could have opened his heart to those who cared about him. I'm sad he did. I'm sad he died in jail so far away from everyone who loved him. So that is Susan Kuhn Hansen's survival story. She now goes by Susan Waters. She she dropped the Kuhansen, which I understand. But at this time, that was Susan Kuhansen's survival story. And it was the best thing I could have kicked this podcast off with. You know, look forward to next week. I think I'm going to ease you in to the stories that that I have next week is it's a it's bad I don't want to say it wasn't bad because um the the person still have family out here I'm sure 
but um it's not gruesome i'll say that it wasn't yeah it's not gruesome compared to other stories should i even say that because i i don't want to make light of anyone's um you know death or their situation but it's a short story i'll just say it'll be a mini because i don't it's not going to be this long i don't think um where are we like maybe 40 minutes or so yeah i don't think it'll be this long it'll probably be a mini but we'll see um so well it's not a bad story but normally i think i'm gonna for the worst for the real bad stories i'm not gonna want to leave you you know and your mind is still wrapped around that horrible story that i told you i'm gonna have like the those days holidays the national holidays so i got some national holidays for today which is january 27th and i'm just gonna read them off i'm not gonna really explain them because i don't know if you want me to read them and explain them what they want to just let me know just send me an email link something just get in contact with me i'll give give you all the information but let's go national chocolate cake day national fun at work day national holocaust memorial day um national big wig day i like that national geographic day national preschool health and fitness day oh god they got national punch the clock day national thomas crapper day national world breast pumping day um and yeah that that looks like that's it for all of my holidays i don't have um nothing else to really do i want to know what you thought about this story i i really want to interact with you all because if i'm not interacting with you i'm sitting in here and i'm just talking to myself because my fur babies are not paying no attention to me so maybe they're used to it i don't know but i don't want to be sitting here talking to myself because that that's i, I guess I, I don't have a problem with that i'm one that don't have a problem with it don't at me don't judge me i whatever y'all talk to yourselves sometimes too so whatever but um if you want to if you want to ask me some questions contact me give me case suggestions um you want to see the pictures of the cases that i that i tell you you can Go to my Instagram. You can follow me at Instagram on Fried Dough Podcast. That's F-R-I-E-D Dough Podcast. You can also, if you want to see those pictures and interact with me, you can also go to um, my Twitter, Fried Dough Podcast on Twitter, um, for case suggestions, for feedback about how I how you feel I did with my first episode just be nice be gentle y'all know I'm sensitive it's only like two of y'all out there that's listening so you know I'm sensitive so um just be gentle just and I want to hear from you don't just say well I'm not gonna tell her I want to hear from you so you can either go into the show notes um and click on that link and leave me a message email me for case um case suggestions and my email address is friedo at myyahoo.com. That's F-R-I-E-D-D-O-E at myyahoo.com. Um, yeah, if you just want to say hi, leave me a message. And the messages, 
I will put on my the next episode. So, but if you don't want me to put it on there, just say it real quick before you hang up and I won't put it on there. But I want to hear from you and and this is a I'm I'm excited about this and I just want to know that somebody out there is rooting for me. You know, you just want your own little cuz this is something new cuz I'm actually veering off away from everybody that I know. Nobody else is interested in this stuff. So, I just I want to know that I'm not totally 100% alone and it'll feel much better if, you know, I can interact with two or three people. It it doesn't I just want to interact with all of y'all because <sighs> I enjoy this stuff. It's weird. I'm a nut. And I think I'm going to call my following, if I get a following, my little fried nuts. No, my little fried dough. Yeah. No, 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 no. My, 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 my donuts. My little donuts. If you like that, let me know. Yeah, I think I like it. But if you like it, let me know. If you don't, give me a suggestion on what I could call my little my my um followers if I get them. Whatever. Um, all of my sources is in the show notes as well. Um, yeah, I'm about to head on out. Next week's story is gonna be a little different than this, but it, it's it's okay. Um. Okay, well, I don't really have an outro, so I'm just going to say I hope you keep listening and I hope you come back next week. Bye. I enjoyed it. I hope they did too. Bye. How are you today? This is Fried Dough True Crime Podcast, and today is Friday, which means it is Fried Dough Friday, where I sit down every Friday and tell you a true crime story that is heavy on my brain. Oh my goodness, it has been a long week, but every week that I go to work every day, seem to be a long week for me but it's friday so i'm happy about that so yay i have the whole week off weekend off i wish i had the whole week off oh my vacation is coming up two weeks yes two weeks and i'm gonna i don't know what i'm gonna do i was thinking no it's too cold for camping i don't know i don't know what i'm gonna do but i am gonna take my my week I'm gonna take one week off for the summertime I think I don't know but I can't wait I can't wait oh my goodness this is like the umpteen time of me recording this story because I wanted to I feel like again I just haven't done justice for it um I stumble over things because for some strange reason I get a little um a little nervous when the recording come on because y'all know I can talk so it's not about <laughs> it's not about the lack thereof but I don't know I think I'm just my ro- worst critic 
but it is what it is if you hear any kind of movement or something in the background that's one of my fur babies doing whatever but they are asleep right now so they might not be getting up no time soon hopefully any current events for me no no current events i don't watch the news or anything but we'll see how that evolves um as this podcast go on oh my goodness it's my first episode and i could not think of a better story to launch this episode this podcast off with but a survival story and not just a survival story this survival story um really didn't get me sad or anything it is a true crime but it just made it just gave me so much i enjoyed i enjoyed reading it and i i actually when i heard it i was rooting and i got chills on my just everything it just i enjoyed the story so i'm hoping that you enjoyed the story as well so without further ado let's get into this story so i'm gonna start this i'm gonna start it off with the 911 call um but to give you a little bit of not background but to let you know we're going september 6 2006 and here's the 911 call caller there's an intruder in the house next door. The intruder was in the bedroom with a hammer. The woman who lives there thinks she may have strangled him. He was down when she left. 911. Can you put her on the phone? Call her. She's bleeding. 911. Does she need an ambulance? Call her. No, she's a nurse. Call an ambulance for the guy. He may be dead. 911. What did she use on him? She strangled him. What else did she do? Call her. She put him in a chokehold. 911. I've got help on the way. Stay on the line. Call her. She has a hammer. 911. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. Just leave it there. Call her. She hit him. She hit him in the head several times. That's the hammer he had with him. She struck him and strangled him, and she think he is dead. That came from the neighbor of Susan Kuhansen, and this is Susan Kuhansen's survival story. So as a child, Susan said it wasn't abusive. However, it just wasn't a place to learn what a happy marriage was like. Susan's father was an Air Force cook. So they, being in the service, they moved a lot of times, many times. They lived in places like California, well, states like California, Arizona, Colorado, and Nevada. Her mom was a stay-at-home mom. Susan said, and I quote, Susan said, quote, my parents loved me, but they couldn't teach me how to have a successful marriage any more than they could teach me how to fly. So when Susan graduated from high school, she graduated with her LPN license. And as soon as she got out of high school, she went back to school 
and obtained her RN's license. Um, for two years after that, Susan moved around Oregon and she finally settled to make a home in Portland and she got a job at the hospital in the emergency room. While Susan was working, um, her mom and her best friend got together and decided to put an ad, a singles ad for Susan out in the Willamette Weekly paper. And the ad said, read this, someone different, single white female, 33, overweight, but not over life, seeks single male who wants more out of a relationship than just slender. And she got a response. The response was, my name is Mike, 39, divorced white male, loves hiking, fishing, and dining out. So Susan said it wasn't very long. It wasn't very long after that we got married. That's where all of the hiking and getting out stopped. Life, married life with Mike was controlling. He started hounding her about her plans. He was asking, who are you going to be with? How long are you going to be there? He would criticize anything that she buy regardless of the price um he constantly judged her on like i said the things that she purchased her clothes her looks and that i can assume will beat you down um it wasn't no teamwork around the house susan was paying off all the bills she actually paid off the house um and to to add insult to injury when she would go out to work and just go out, she would kiss him, try to come in for a kiss to say goodbye, and he would belch in her face. So Mike, he eventually got a new job, and he got a job as janitorial supervisor of Oregon Entertainment. And that was the parent company of Fantasy Adult Videos. So he just... He managed the cleanup team at Fantasy Adult Videos. Mike's life philosophy was life is a shit sandwich. Every day you take another bite until you die. So 17 years of marriage, Susan decided to tell Mike he needed to move out. So he moved out with his dad he moved in with his dad they stayed cordial to each other um they still saw each other and continued their their friendship susan said i cared about him but didn't want to live with him anymore i just want to be happy again so you know with that mentality she just didn't she just said it she just didn't want to live with him it, it sucked living with him but she felt that he was a cool person. So, you know, so let's go to the day of the attack. She gets off of work and she goes to the salon. She tells her stylist she wanted to change her hair. She wanted to get a color or a new cut. She just wanted a change in her hair. She tells, she also tells her stylist that she was going through a tough divorce. 
So Susan is finished at the hair salon and she goes home. She unlocks her door and turns off the security code at 637. Susan walks in the mud room and she finds a note and it said, Sue hadn't been sleeping, had to go away, went to the beach, see you Friday or Saturday. Love me. She knew who quote unquote me was. You know, she she was just like, okay, it wasn't no issue. He's done it before. She allowed it. It's not, it wasn't really no issue with that. So she went out to the mailbox to grab the mail and she comes back in the house. She puts the mail, she lays the mail on the table and she walks into her bedroom. From behind the door, a figure of a male, of a man just started emerging from behind the door. The intruder was approximately 5'8", 190 pounds. He had on dark dockers, a blue striped shirt, tan baseball hat, um, long gray scraggly hair, and he had a beard to match. He had his hair pulled back into a ponytail and had the ponytail tucked up under, you know, under the hat. And he was carrying a claw hammer. So when I first read this, I'm like, a claw hammer? What the hell kind of hammer? What kind of foolishness they got out here? But come to find out, it's just a regular hammer, you know, so. So. Susan shouted. She saw him and she shouted, Who are you and what do you want? There was no answer. He just started advancing to her. Let's take a pause for one second. Susan had been an RN. At this time, she's been an RN nurse in the emergency room for 30 years. The hospital, the hospital that she worked at, she, they always offered self-defense classes and Susan just always took these self-defense classes. So Susan pretty much was comfortable with the thought of having to defend herself, but she was comfortable with knowing what to do and knowing that she would be able to think on her feet. So, okay, let's go back to the fight. So before Susan knew it, he was running towards her, swinging the hammer. And he, he hits her one good time in her left temple. Ooh, and now I just feel it. So instead of running, Susan, like I said, Susan knows what to do. She starts crowding him. And crowding is just what it sounds like. It's getting real close up to the, to the person who's trying to swing on you. Because she knew the benefits of doing that, it minimizes the momentum the momentum of the swing of the hammer or any object that was in that would have been in another person's hand so now they're fighting over the hammer and they're tussling and susan is trying to get the hammer and he's trying to stop susan to get the hammer and he says one thing throughout this whole fight susan says and what he says while they were tussling this particular time is wow you're strong and for some reason, Susan said, this pissed her off because 
when he said that, she realizes at that point that he wasn't there to rape her. He wasn't there to rob her. She knew he was there to kill her. So she starts fighting even harder. And she's fighting him and she ends up having to bite him. So she's biting him so the um the forensics can get back to her and you know connect herself. She want to connect herself to him some kind of way. So she she starts biting him and they end up falling on the floor together and they're still fighting. They're still fighting and Susan she wrestles the hammer away from him and she swings at him three times and she connects all three times and hit him in his head and face you know in his head face area so when she was trying to swing the the fourth time he grabbed her wrist so since he grabbed her wrist she took her other hand and started and put it around his throat and she started squeezing so now he got one hand um, on her wrist, on his throat, and he has one hand on the hammer. He's he's sitting there struggling because she's stronger than him apparently, and he wasn't expecting this type of fight. So Susan, she asked him again, "Who sent you?" Susan is smart. I never would have thought who sent me, but I hope I don't never have to think about that. Let's move on. Um, So she asked him, who sent you? And all he did was growl. She started squeezing tighter. He started turning red. Then he he was turning blue. And then he started turning purple. And when he started turning purple, that kind of freaked Susan out because that ain't part of her DNA to to kill nobody. She didn't want to do that. So what Susan did, it freaked her out, she says, and she jumped up and she ran. And he got up and he got chased and he grabbed her by her arm and swung her around. And when he swung her around, he punched her twice in the face. The first punch split her lip. The second punch blacked her eye. And with that punch, it knocked her back and she fell on the floor. So she's backwards on the floor on her back and he's standing up over her and he's grabbing the hammer off of the floor. But Susan said at this point, she says she doesn't even know today what, how she did this, but Susan pulled them down to the ground with her and they fought. Susan said she was literally preparing to die. You know, she didn't know how much of a fight she had in her anymore, but she was going to fight until she could not possibly fight anymore. So while she's preparing and she's, she's, Susan is still thinking. She's thinking and starts biting him again. She bites him on the arm. She bites him on the thigh and she bites him on the flank. And I had to find what is a flank. But when you put your hand on your hip, the, where your, your, your thumb is laid, that's the flank area. And Susan is not finished biting on him. Want to know where else she bit him? Yes. Susan bit him in the zipper. So while Susan is chewing on him, she starts going through his pockets. 
She's looking for anything that's in his pockets and she's emptying his pockets and she's throwing everything up under the bed, up under the chair. She's just trying to scatter everything across the floor because again, she is thinking she is getting ready to die and she wants to make sure that he will not get away with this. So while she's finished, she's finished chewing on him, they're still fighting. So now Susan manages to climb on top of him again. And she begins to choke him again. She asks him again, who sent you? But this time she gives him a choice. If you tell me who sent you, Susan said, quote, I will call you a fucking ambulance. He he growled at her and he still didn't answer. So Susan is just like, all right, bump it. It is what it is. Whatever happens, happens. So Susan kept choking until he stops moving. So he stops moving. Susan drops him. She grabs the hammer and she leaves and runs to the neighbor's house where we you know, this is now full circle from where we came in because they called 911 for her. So now Susan is at the hospital, the very hospital that she works at, the very emergency room that she just left. Her co-workers is there. What what happened, Susan? Why are you here? But you're on the wrong end. What's, what's going on? So Susan is there. She's being seen by the police. She's talking to them and everything. But while she's talking to them, she's also putting the whole story together in her head. Sorry, you might have heard that. I had to hit a button on my keyboard. But she was putting everything together in her head. And she realizes Mike got something to do with this. You know, it's Mike has something to do with this. She just knew it. So... Susan gets busy. She knows what she has to do. She, she stays at the hospital overnight, but while she's at the hospital, she is not relaxing. Susan is sitting there thinking of everything, what she has to do, because she knows he got something to do with it. So the next day, she get um, they release her. They release her from the hospital. Susan calls her best friend. And before she even goes to somebody's house to recoup, Susan like, nah, homie, we got to go back to my house. I got to collect some things and look around a little bit. So Susan goes back to her house. And while they're going around the house, looking around, gathering her things, her friend, Helen is her name. She sees a backpack at the bottom of the basement stairs. And Helen calls Susan over and tell her, is that backpack yours? Susan like, nah, let's get it and look see what's in there they opened the backpack and it was a few things in there um one item was a 12 ounce bottle of Hershey syrup diabetic pills it was $200 in cash a paste up made out to Ed Haffey call Mike on the day of September 4th 2006 it was a piece of paper with writing on it that said Mike's new number (laughs) so the discovery you know we know the guy that 
is dead, that was dead in Susan's house just the day earlier. His name was Ed Haffey. Ed Haffey lived at Northeast Killingsworth Street in Portland. He was raised in an upper middle class um, family and he enjoyed tennis. He was an avid tennis player and he had a promising future. Um, but some at some somewhere along the line, he just went crazy. I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. He just went crazy. Thursday, so Thursday, February 28, 1991, Ed Haffey's ex-girlfriend, Georgia Lee Dutton, she was 39. Her decomposed body was found in the river in Rosebury. Ed pled guilty to conspiracy to commit murder, and on Monday, March 14, 1994, he was sentenced to 10 years in jail. He was released from East Oregon Correctional Institution in 2003, and he moved to Oregon. So by 2004, Ed was addicted to drugs and he was quite violent and he needed a job. So he started filling out applications and he filled out an application with fantasy adult videos and guess who hired him? You're right, Mike hired him. Let's look at Mike's movements on that day, September 6, 2006. So after Mike left Susan's house, he drove himself to Lincoln City Inn and he got a room. He bought a um, 357 Magnum for $339 at the pawn shop. In the room, he left a note in the room that said, I have nothing to live for, Mike. He's creating his own defense right now. He, he he's creating, in my head, he's creating his own defense. So it took two days for the deputy to catch up with Mike and they caught up with Mike at Kaiser parking lot. He said he was going to get himself checked in for a psych evaluation. So the deputy sat there, you know, they had somebody sitting there waiting for Mike to finish up. So 11 hours later, he was released and arrested for conspiracy to commit murder. Mike denied everything. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know who, who Susan, what? I don't, I don't know who you're talking about. And they sat there and they allowed him to do that. And when he was finished, they was like, okay, well, we found a pay stub. We found all of this information in his book bag that was at your wife's house. What you think about that? He was like, oh, Oh, yeah, what had happened was, and they just, you know, you under arrest, Mike. It is what it is. The The police later finds out that there was no forced entry. The security code was put in. Mike got fired a few weeks prior to the attack. Um, and in that same time, his dad was putting him out. So Mike didn't have no job. He ain't had no home. He, yeah, so... He wanted, he started looking for someone to kill Susan. Three people, he tried to hire three people to kill Susan, but they all declined. 
they all declined because when the story started hitting the news, all of these people started calling the police like, yeah, he tried to hire me to do the same thing. So they told him to come in and come talk to us. And when they did, they, you know, they were asked, so why didn't you take the job? And these people said, because he didn't pay enough. Okay, let's move on. My head is hurting from that because he didn't pay enough. And all I'm thinking now is I'm hoping that he wasn't, he didn't pay the $200 that was in Ed's bag that was in cash. I hope that wasn't the, oh my God. I'm just not really thinking about that. I hope that really wasn't the pay for killing that woman, the $200 cash that he had in his pocket. So if Susan, let's get back to it. So if Susan was to pass away, Mike already knew that her beneficiary was not him. It was her brother. But if he, if Susan was to die while there was still, while they were still legally married, he would get the house and he didn't have a home so he needed that so that was that was the motive so he now he's on trial um they they allow susan to have a um, victim impact statement and susan read him a statement it's so long i'm not going to read the whole thing but susan started it off with you were willing for me to share your small miserable life until death we did part the sooner the better it turns out then she went on to say i am dang i am damaged to what you have done to me i am damaged but not destroyed she also said that she feels like a broken plate glued back together 